pipe, oh, and it's yeah. blocked, and it is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Preseason is over. Inside Black and Gold fans, Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. We've made it. Exhibition play is a wrap, and pretty soon week one will be upon us when the Saints host the Tennessee Titans. A lot to glean from the last preseason game, Jeff. And uh, luckily, overall, you know, we always always talk about want to escape things without injury. And I think for the most part, the team was pretty successful at that. Yeah, there's been no major injuries, right? Like we've we've seen a a fair number of soft tissue injuries, stuff like that. But, you know, the, the, the season ending injuries were kind of kept to the fringe roster players anyway, like a Trey Turner was here for two days and the special teams ace and Andrew Dowell and a backup running back and, you know, Benjamin. So you didn't lose Andrew, any. Andrew Dowell was a stinger for sure. Yeah, but not he's not a star. No, not right? a like, huge name. Right. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into we'll get into some notes from that in this first segment. And then we'll do the three up, three down in the second and third segment, as we've been doing in these post game podcasts. Obviously, we're a little behind on this one as we were last week. The night games are going to be tough. Thankfully, we don't have a lot of them. Because, uh, man, they tire me out. I I got to sleep at like, at like 3 a.m. last night. And I wasn't even trying to. I didn't do anything. I went home. And I was just sitting there like just like coiled up like a snake. Yeah, like, the, just, I don't know. the game, it's it's like the player. Plus, you're on the field and being so close to that action. There's still that adrenaline pumping. Yeah, I'm not the type of person who can go home after like after a whole game and fall right asleep. But, yeah. So, I'm, I'm a, little, a little groggy. We're coming back at you. We're getting through it. It's a Monday. But yeah, so the first thing I do want to point out, and this is really nothing to do with the game, Mark Ingram, Deuce McAllister, Alvin Kamara got on the field for the Houdat. They 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 ramped this up. Deuce kept it a secret from us. <laughs> he didn't tell me. <laughs> I wasn't aware of it until about 15 minutes before it happened. Uh, so if you ever need to keep a secret, go tell Deuce. Um, <laughs> but I thought that was really cool. You know, yeah, I got to talk to Mark as he came off the field. I have very high hopes for him as a broadcaster. Technically, he's not retired yet. He still wants to play if he can. But really? I think he's going to be excellent as a broadcaster. I think Cam's going to be excellent too. They had a podcast together, so you, there's a lot of ex, you know evidence that they that they can do that sort of thing. But like I I never you know I always wondered what how Sean would transition to to the broadcast jobs and how Drew would transition to the broadcast jobs because I think at their core they're a little boring. Or at least Drew is. You know, I think Sean, if he wanted to stay in it, might have been able to to do it. But like Mark is just an interesting person and he's interesting to listen to. And like I, I'm I'm excited to hear him on some of these broadcasts. I think he's gonna have a long broadcast career. Yeah, with Ingram, it's like, shoot, if he's ready to suit up, the Saints depth at running back right now has taken a little bit of a hit. He might he might have been able to get some snaps yesterday. Yeah, I don't I don't know about that. But uh he still <laughs> looks good. Yeah, you know, he hasn't he hasn't he hasn't lost that that Mark Ingram uh, stature. Oh, always a great talker too in the locker room. So definitely hoping and wishing the best for him. And yeah, I agree with you. I think he he's one of those guys that's easily relatable to. Uh, doesn't come off as a snooze or a bore, and folks want to hear more from him, kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. Uh, props to Mark and his his trek on the broadcasting path. Yeah, the the difficult thing for for 
players as they get into broadcasting is you have to kind of get off of that pulling punches everywhere kind of mentality. And that's tough for some guys to do. I think that's tough for Drew to do. Like you have to be critical of these guys who you know and you played against. And like, you know, that can be tough for players. So I'm interested to see how he handles it. That's exactly though what I think makes Bobby Hebert so great. He's not pulling any punches. And I think maybe it's because he hasn't played with any of these recent guys either. I think it definitely gets easier the more the further removed you are <laughs> yes. from playing. Like and that's why the the first couple of years in the broadcast booth for these guys can be difficult because you have to just get used to it. And so that's going to be something to watch for Mark. Like RG3 has come gone, gone completely over to yeah. the dark side in that regard. He'll talk anything about anybody at any time. Um, <laughs> I do enjoy it though. Uh, yeah, he's good. He's good. Um, but all right, let's let's go back to the game, and we're going to talk about some snap counts. We're going to talk about some decisions. The first decision was kind of odd to me, and it was that the Saints, mm. after talking about how many reps they wanted to get Trevor Penning, every rep he gets, he gets better, and the more the better, whatever. Like I talked to Doug Marone and Pete Carmichael last week, and both of them, when I asked them about Trevor Penning, he says the more reps he gets, the better off he is. Well. You get to week three of the preseason, and he is not playing. He is not suited up, and I was surprised by that. So I asked Dennis Allen about it. This is what he said. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we've seen some improvement out of him, and I think where we're at right now uh, with where he is, and then, you know, you kind of take into account that, you know, last year in the preseason, in the last preseason game, he, he, he was injured, you know. So um, I felt good about where he was at uh, and didn't want to risk putting him out there. Interesting way to start things after we just talked about not pulling punches on stuff. It's a strange answer. Um, yeah. Because there's no correlation between him getting hurt in the final preseason game last year and him getting hurt again because of the instance of game. Like, it's a very superstitious reason to not play somebody. But I like I vaguely understand it because he do just want to get to a point where he can start in a game. And if he did go out there and get hurt in this game, it would have I, it would have undermined everything, and it would have been, to me, probably a devastating way to lose another season. If you like, if if you after all the work he has put in this offseason and all the rehab, if he were to go out there and sprain his ankle, even like dudes get something, someone rolls up on him, and then week one you're back where you were last year. I that would have been from a confidence perspective brutal for the young player. So I get that. At the same time. I've, I've always been of the philosophy that you cannot protect guys from football. If they're going to get hurt, they're going to get hurt. And you never, it, you know, it's like, it's like when you're, when you're playing blackjack and it's like, well, I'm going to sit out this hand because I have a bad feeling about it. It's like, you don't know, like you're guessing. You're like, he has just as much likelihood of getting hurt in week one as he does this week. I, I do think to some extent, it does signal that the coaching staff is at least reasonably comfortable with where he is. Before the game, we got a text. What if he can't hack it at left tackle? Will you swing a trade before week one? I was like, no, no, he's going to be your week one starter at left tackle. It's just a question of whether he can handle it. We won't know until we see it in a full game. But, you know, if they were if they were really concerned about what they expect from him in terms of not being able to handle it, he would have been out there. So um, I think that does kind of give you that indicator. Maybe his foot was a little store, sore and it was precautionary. <laughs> well, that's what I was wondering. You know, was he dinged up in practice? Right. That we didn't get that indicator. And in in Dennis's defense, you know, if this was Sean, I would say we, even if he was, he wouldn't have told us. I no. do think that if if Trevor was held out for some sort of injury precaution, he would have told us because that is something that we have established with Da is he is 
forthcoming on injury information. You know, he's not going to give us all of it, but he won't stand up there and lie to us. Like if, if he held somebody up for injury, he would at least give us that indicator. Like we're being very careful, whatever. Um, you know, he told us when Trevor was missed a single one day of practice with injury, he told us it was a foot thing. So he wouldn't start. Yeah, I don't think he'd go back on that now. But either way, he didn't get out there. And we saw a very, very struggling backup offensive line get in the game. Well, what's in there? What stinks is the fact, too, with Penning, there's no joint practices this week. Yeah. With the, and you were going up essentially against Houston Texans starter. So what better work before the regular season than a for reals, you know, dress rehearsal against guys that are going to be starters in the NFL? Agreed. Um, Lewis Kidd ended up playing left tackle, I believe, and he played 70 snaps, the most snaps. I think that's because he shifted inside to guard at some point. But, um, you know, the, the snap counts are kind of interesting. If you want to look at the receivers, you have John Trey Kirkland playing 60 snaps, Shaq Davis playing 59, A.T. Perry playing 57. And I think, you know, I, I don't, these aren't in my three up or three down. I think you're kind of just the same. You, neither, No one really stood out in that regard when I talked about going in. Two of the points I was looking at going in was how do Shaq Davis and A.T. Perry stack up against each other and how does Trevor Penning look? Well, Trevor Penning didn't play, and I don't think either Shaq Davis or A.T. Perry really did anything to establish themselves any more than they had already done. I did talk about how they ran that jet sweep in practice, and I was willing to bet money that we would see that jet sweep of Shaq Davis at some point in this game. We did see it. Did not work. <laughs> oh, he tried at least, right? But they did do it. They did right. do it, which I was I kept waiting for it because I was like, they wouldn't have practiced that if they weren't going to run it in this game. Shaq's probably not going to be on the roster next week. Why would they practice that if they're not going to run it out there? And they did. And, uh, you know, it it, it, it was ill-fated. Um, better at practice. Yeah, but, uh, you know, a uh, guy we can talk about for a second. You know, you talk about people. All you can do is take advantage of the opportunities you're given. I don't think Sha- or John Trey Kirkland really had a, a chance to make this roster. I think he was always playing for, are you good enough to be on the practice squad and maybe have a role at some point in the future, especially as a special teamer? And I think he, he did that about as well as, as you could have hoped for him to do. I mean, the last couple games... He's been one of your – I mean, he might be the top receiver for the Saints this preseason. Don't quote me on that. But, I mean, t- five catches, 63 yards in this game, 10 targets. You know, there was all – between Lucas Krull and John Trey Kirkland, 25 targets. 25 – I mean, Jake Hayner threw the ball 38 times, which is kind of crazy considering he only played three quarters. Um, but John Trey Kirkland, I think, you know, whether it's kickoff return – punt return, you know, just being a, a weapon. The first play of the game was a screen pass or the second play of the game was a screen pass to John Trey that worked. You know, I, for a guy who showed up midway through training camp, you know, played in the XFL last year, hasn't really been given much of a shot. I think he showed really well uh, throughout camp. Yeah, it was one of those things. It's funny when you're blowing somebody up and all week, I, I know we've been talking about Shaq Davis. I was impressed coming off that Chargers game, how much more he looked to be involved in, and thriving off of it in practice. And then eh, not so much in the preseason finale when I think a lot of people were just expect, expecting him to explode since he's trying to earn that one of those final roster spots. I know we'll get into it. We know with the three ups, three downs, some more. But a guy that I still lean towards your direction when you go with the draft pick in A.T. Perry over Shaq and there was no separation in that at all in that preseason finale. So it kind of sticks that way. Yeah. I mean, I think you're just kind of landing where you were like, I, you know, I don't think there's a single 
decision I made in terms of kind of these depth change roster projections that I would change. You know, the one question for me is a guy like, so I did keep a Lynn Bowden Jr. on there. That's kind of a, a you know, it's for the same reason my first roster projection had Miller Forrestall on it. It's more of a placeholder. Okay, who is that sixth wide receiver in terms of who is that returner going to be? It, throughout camp, I thought, okay, Lynn Bowden is that guy. He's dealing with an injury right now. He is a veteran. You could probably bring him back regardless, even if you cut him. So I think the next couple of days is going to be interesting to see how that all shapes out. I don't want to make a ton of predictions today because tomorrow they're going to be making these cuts and it's just not worth it. But, you know, I think – that's going to be something to watch is there's going to be a handful of players who are either veterans who you can just kind of have a handshake agreement. It's like, okay, we're going to cut you kind of like they did with Aldrich Roses a few years ago. It's like, we're going to cut you because we need to save this roster spot for a guy we want to stash on IR. Don't go anywhere because you're a vested veteran. Like you aren't going to be on waivers. So we're going to bring you back at the same salary we're paying you right now. All you have to do is not go sign somewhere else tomorrow <laughs> and we will bring you back. You know, and I think there's always kind of those handshake agreements in the NFL this time of year, because you do have to get creative with roster spots, right? Like I think they're going to probably try to stash Landon Young and Ryan Connolly on IR. Well, to do that, you would have to keep them on the roster because you're not going to sign somebody and then stash them on IR. Uh, so that's, that's going to be something to watch. And I think a guy like Lynn Bowden, a guy like Daryl Williams, they're going to be interesting. I guess a positive note, and we didn't really mention, I don't think, you, there was actually a Traquan Smith sighting. Yes, he was there. It, uh, he was in the building. That's I don't huge. know. If we maybe, haven't seen him in forever, even. I don't know how huge it is. Uh, he didn't do anything. Just the fact that he's appeared. Maybe he just came, showed up to say to say bye to his teammates. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, mean, right. one, I don't one know. Raw. I took him off my roster. You know, it, I think he could be one of those guys where it's like, hey, stick around, don't go anywhere. You know, we're gonna bring you back when we when we figure out some of these numbers. Or maybe it's like, hey, go sign with the Broncos, right? Yes, uh, screw you guys. They just lost Jerry Judy. I know they're desperate over there. Yeah, it's this question of how desperate they are. Speaking of, you know, and, and you know, kind of going down, Nick Anderson got a decent amount of snaps in this game. I thought he played reasonably well. He still got the fewest defensive snaps of any active player. I think that tells you what you need to know. But I think what we saw from him, too, is what I've been trying to say all along. He's not a linebacker. He's a box safety. Like he can't be a linebacker in the NFL. I mean, I'm sorry, he's too small. Like, uh, like but Sam Mills is, a, is is the 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 diamond example of a small linebacker. Nick Anderson's not Sam Mills, guys. I think he needs to slim down and be a coverage box safety type player, and you'll find a way. Like, be closer to Isaiah Simmons or Landon Collins. And, you know, we've seen a guy like Isaiah Simmons not be able to find a roster. When you are a tweener like that, it's difficult. But you have to find the right side of that tween. And uh, I think he he actually did show up pretty well in coverage a couple times, I thought. And so that's how he's going to make an NFL roster when he does, if he does. Anyway, uh, you, you getting into special teams there with the linebacker talk just made me shoot to over thinking about Zach Bond. I was surprised he was not suited up, obviously, it's, it's a great sign for him that he's made this roster. Yeah, I don't, I don't think his roster spot was ever in doubt this offseason. Uh, people talk about it. Um, no, for sure. You know. It was definitely a, a question, though, at linebacker, I feel. And maybe not for the Saints, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, I think he played way well, actually, this offseason. I mean, in terms of you're, you're asking him to do very specific things. And he's done them 
reasonably well. The question to me is, okay, do you keep Jalen Smith? Because, you know, Jalen is a guy who probably profiles to be your Sam, your backup Sam even. Um, How many roster spots do you have available? Is it worth it? You know, we talked about special teams. You didn't get a single special team snap uh, in either of these two games. So Dennis Allen himself said he's going to make this roster. He's going to have to play special teams and then proceeded to not get him any special team snaps. So, I don't know. I don't know what to read into that. But he was uh, hanging out with Trevor Penning, you know, just talking to him. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but he played. He played well. You know, yeah. and Jalen Smith does the things that I think you need him to do. But if he's not on the field, what is he providing? Is he just depth? Because you're not playing him. I mean, how often do you get three linebackers on the field? Not very often. And he's not going to start over Pete Werner or Demario. So is he just premium depth? That's a tough, I don't know. That's why I think he's got to play special teams and we haven't seen him do it. So unless they learned enough in practice and you know they've he's told them he's willing to do it and he'll do it in games. I don't know, but um I thought he played pretty well. He's a he's huge. Like you see him on the field making tackles and you kind of lose perspective on just like when he's tackling a running back. I mean, he dwarfs them. He swallows them in the backfield. Uh and you know, in today's age of like undersized linebackers, it's it's kind of funny to see that. If anything, I'd love to keep Jalen Smith around just to teach technique on proper tackling because he seems to, like you were saying, he just swallows up dudes. Yeah, he's he's yeah. It's easy to tackle when you're that big, though. Like that's <laughs> the thing. So the only other thing that I want to get into is the kicker battle. We talked to both Will Lutz and Blake Groupie. You know, Will Will kind of feels a little bedraggled. I don't know, like. I think he's tired out by this whole process. Um, he's handled it reasonably well. I think he's still your kicker. Um, and I think the ball is in the the court of the Broncos or the Titans or one of these teams that needs a kicker for them to say, hey, we want this guy. And whether that's Will or, or Blake, I think both of those are NFL kickers. Um, you know, it almost felt like that that 60 yard kick for Blake was like, all right, you want this job? Here it is. Can Make you, it. Like this, this kick is to win it almost felt like, and you know, you're not going to hold against a kicker, a 60 yard attempt that had the distance and missed, you know, six feet to the right. But, you know, it really did feel like, it, you know, you needed to see something kind of otherworldly impressive for Blake yeah. to win that job away from a guy who has owned it for as long as he has. And, a perfect preseason with a 60 yarder to his credit and a 50 yarder in the same game probably would have been that. And without it, it kind of feels like, okay, you know, we're still where we were. We knew you could make 50 yarders. Um, but if you end up in a game where you need that 60 and, and can you trust him to hit it? I mean, I know, I know Will can make 60 yarders. We watched him do it. Well, it was uh, with crew, uh, groupie too. It was interesting, obviously not short, just wide, right. Oh, he had the leg, but I mean, that's kind of the deal. It's like when you're trying to kick from that far, you have to put a little bit more into it and your, your range finder gets a little off <laughs> and uh, you just pushed it. Yeah, Plus like playing any, Madden football at the video game. Yeah, as I mean, it's like when you, you, you whatever pull you hit, you got to gauge it a little bit. And, you know, I, I, he had the distance. If that was in Denver, it would have been a 70-yard kick, right? To the right. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's kicked well. I like Blake. I wouldn't be surprised if they keep him around. But it's just hard for me to see a team just I mean, they did it with Morstead. So it's not, you know, it's not something where they were complete they're unwilling to to show a veteran in the curb and bring in a, a young player. But I do think it's a little more difficult to do that at kicker because they're they generate so many points throughout a season. 
Whereas a punter, it's like they can be kind of hidden by the fact that there's nothing directly coming out of it in terms of scoring. Um, but yeah. Yeah, you mentioned Morstead too. It really is amazing. That dude's still around doing it. Yeah. It wouldn't I wouldn't be mad at all if he was still the Saints punter, right? Like that's I think that's kind of the annoying thing. Is like, yeah, you you kind of put Morstead out to pasture, but he's still one of the best punters in the league. So did you have to? You know, economics of all the BS. And I, I know that's the big one with the Saints, too. What do they want to do with – they want to go with a little bit of a younger guy. I can't say that, you know, Will's this old man now at 29 and what's groupie 24. Right. Um, right. But the, and you can the, play until you're 45 as a kicker. The salary is a, a significant difference, but I don't think they're hurting right now in, in terms of cap space. Yeah, you're not cutting Will because of the because of the salary cap. Like right. that's the thing. Like you're you're not really saving enough to say okay, it's worth keeping the young guy so we can clear a million dollars in cap space. That's that's not a good enough reason. You know, he has to be the better option. Like the the clear better option. Like Will was when you brought him in back in what 2016, 2015 and he was trying to beat out Kai Forbath. And it was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Will is the guy. Like, clearly. <laughs> we don't need Kai Forbath in this in this equation. I don't know why, why I'm being so mean to Kai Forbath. I always appreciate it. Because you saw him yesterday? Me. No, that was Kaimi Fairbairn. Oh, uh, yeah. I got, Very I similar names, though. I, I definitely I, got those confused. <laughs> there's a lot of K's and I's and B's and F's. Oh, that, that is actually <laughs> funny. In terms of kicker names, those are pretty... Uh, I, I always appreciate really kind of ironic names. Like there was a kicker named Blewett. I think he played for Pitt. I don't know if he ever played in the NFL. David Akers was always funny to me. There and I and there was a baseball player. I think there's a player. I think he's on the Dodgers. His last name is Outman. We just need uh, <laughs> a first baseman or some or who to get on first for the whole Abbott and Costello skit. There, the Outman. <laughs> out goes up there and all he does is get out. Um. Anyway, so yeah, Kai Forbath. Yeah, hopefully he's a solid infielder and Kai we don't worry about his back. Yeah, <laughs> but no. So that's going to be fascinating. Like, there's going to be a lot of fascinating cuts. I think we can pretty much project some of them. But you know how the how the things how things shape up with Blake Groupie, whether he gets claimed, whether he gets traded, whether he gets cut. You know, it's going to be something to watch either way. But all right, let's wrap up this segment on Inside Black and Gold. We're going to come back and we are going to hit the three up. And then we're going to hit the three down. We're going to go through who stood out, who fell flat in this preseason game. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. This is Inside Black and Gold. Stick around. Out of the shotgun, Kendra Miller to Jameis' left. More pressure again. Throws it for Jimmy Graham. A little back shoulder down the right sideline. And Jimmy Graham brings it down at the 11-yard line. Christian Harris out of Baton Rouge on the tackle, but that was vintage Jimmy Graham. Mike, was he open? Nope. No. Was he open? Nope. That's Jimmy. We're back here on Inside Black and Gold. That was the highlight of Jimmy Graham catching that that first pass from Jameis Winston about 25 yards downfield, went up and just I don't even I don't even want to say moss the guy. He kind of just caught it through the guy. He literally caught it on his helmet. And uh yeah, so we're gonna go through the three up on this segment of Inside Black and Gold. And you know what? I, I saw Jimmy Graham I saw Jimmy Graham out there in the pregame and I was surprised to see him. Uh, and to me, that's a pretty good indicator. If you thought Jimmy Graham was a lock on this roster, no. Because if he was a lock, he wouldn't have been playing. He was out there to prove something. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know what you were looking to find out of Jimmy Graham, but I imagine you got it. 
Jimmy, it was nice to see, especially considering the health scare out West. You really didn't know what the issue is. And we really, we still don't have much clarity on the whole situation. But as far as him being on the field and performing, we saw it in practice uh, this week leading up to the preseason finale. And then to see Jimmy do, do what he does uh, in the preseason finale to secure that spot on the roster. Yeah, you're right. There was nothing guaranteed until last night. I even had some family members from out of state even texting me going, what are they talking about? You know, Graham trying to make the roster. They gave him a contract. And I was like, that doesn't mean anything at all. Uh, but yeah. I, I think he he has secured his spot. We see that role that we know the Saints envision him in, that we've seen him at, at in the past, but he's just not going to be that guy in bulk in black and gold anymore. He's just going to be used sparingly, I feel like. Yeah, and that's why, you know, you look at a Jimmy and you look at a Jalen Smith and you say, okay, if these guys aren't going to be major contributors on special teams, are they worth keeping around? And I think they can both be weapons in certain areas of the field, but how valuable are those weapons, right? Like, are you taking reps? Are you taking reps? Are you taking reps away from Jawan Johnson to get Jimmy on the field? Because I don't like that idea. Are you taking... Uh, you know, opportunities away from a Lucas Krull. Like, are you losing a Lucas Krull to keep Jimmy Graham around? I don't know. It's a little tough. Uh, but, you know, I think there was an opportunity for Jimmy Graham to go out there and lay a dud, and he didn't do it. Uh, and if you were the team and you were kind of, you know, saying, okay, show me what you got, I think your hands are a little tied now. Because if that wasn't what you needed to see, <laughs> then why did you bring him in in the first place? Like, what what did he need to do to prove to you that he can still contribute other than what he did? And yeah, so that's, it's tough. And this is what uh, Dennis Allen had to say uh, about, about Jimmy. Yeah. I think that was one of the things that, that, um, you know, we've, we've said this, that, you know, we don't have to see it every day from these guys, uh, particularly the veteran players, but yet at some point we have to see it. So, um, and we saw it tonight. I think, I think really um, probably since the charger practices, um, you know, I started to see, you know, some signs of, of, you know, the, the, the mental picture that I have of, of Jimmy Graham. Um, and, um, and then again, you know, I, I saw it this week in practice um, and I saw it carry over into the game. So uh, that was a positive. So that second comment is interesting to me because, you know, to me, it sounds like they wanted to see this against the Chargers, right? Like I think, they needed to see him in a game be kind of featured to some extent. And because of the medical incident, whatever you want to call it, in L.A., he wasn't able to play. So that's why he was on the field for this game. Like, he was going to play one or the other, and that's it. But I did think it was interesting. Like, it sounds to me like they they needed to see that. Like, he, he didn't – until he got to the Chargers practices, which is obviously where he had that medical incident, he, you know, the vision, he said, wasn't necessarily – matching up um and so i i think that's interesting because you know i think jimmy did have to prove something yeah the, the cameras uh i think it was after the touchdown that it looked pretty emotional even the exchange between dennis allen and jimmy graham uh that validation the relief the you know the joy of it all you you felt that from both and yeah i i understand that you know obviously dennis i don't need to see it all the time but i do need to see it kind of thing yeah, and I and I did think it was funny. He like pump faked the dunk over the goalpost. Yes, yes. Which, like, uh, I think it's one of those situations where you know if I'm gonna do it, it better be worth it. And I'm not doing it now. 
in a situation where they might use that as an excuse to not, you know, it's like, oh, that was just a foolish decision. We're not keeping you around anymore, you know? Like, uh, like he was not going to do that this game, but I would not be surprised if late in the year or, like, he catches a touchdown late in a game where you're up by two two scores and it's over and it's like, okay, the penalty is worth it, right? Like, I think he will at some point catch a touchdown and dunk it and and just accept that penalty. But it's going to have to be in a situation where it's worth it and it will not, and it will definitely not cost the team. But when he does it, it's going to be, you know, a take down the house kind of moment. I guess we can throw this in the, you know, three up, you know, segment, but we didn't mention the fact that penalties, holy crap, this team doesn't, you know, have to get almost every other flag that was thrown on the field uh, going against them. Really nice to see how they clean things up. I know a lot of folks were getting on Dennis Allen saying it's indicative of, you know, the coach, how sloppy the team looked. Well, the backups were in entirely in this game and they looked pretty tight. So it was nice to see. Well, that's like like people were saying, oh, well, the, the penalties were all on backups last week. It was like, that's not an excuse. These guys are fighting to make the roster. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> if, if, if anybody should not be having penalties, it's these guys because they that that's literally could be the difference between them making the roster yeah. and having the roster, right? Like, well, I think Jimmy had that in his head, too, and was like, oh, psych, I'm not going to do exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, so they only had two penalties for 15 yards. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's what you were hoping for uh, in terms of, you know, you just got to be able to see these guys, people can play without fouling, right? And the, so, so you did that. Um, the game moved a lot faster, thankfully. Yes, it did. It did. That Chargers game took forever. <laughs> but all right, moving on. The next guy on my on my three-up list is is Brian Brzee. You know what? I think, I think Brian Brzee, you know, and this game specifically is a good example of like, it's really difficult to gauge a defensive tackle's performance by just stats alone, right? Because if you look at his stat line, I mean, according to the game book, one tackle, one QB hit. That's Those are, those are the stats he, he recorded, right? At least in the, the most basic form. You know, he had several pressures. He got in there. I don't know how he didn't get a sack at any point, but, you know, he was he caused multiple sacks. Like he, like that spin move, is remarkable. At one point, he just yeah. broke the, Where, the. Where's the stat for the spin move? We don't get one for that. I guess not. But you don't <laughs> see a lot of defensive tackles working off spin moves like really that. You know, that's like an Aaron Donald type, athletic type move. Um, and we, you know, Malcolm Roach talked about it, and uh, and here here it is. Did you see? Did you? See? I never saw nobody spin on the line like he's spinning. Usually people work it up a few steps, then spin. He spins on the line. It's, I told you, I said this a few days ago. Yeah, it's cat-like quickness. He's able to jump off the ball for him being so big. It's, it's a sight to see. It's really a sight to see. And he, he has been blessed with the God-given ability to be that quick at that size. And I, 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 the sky's the limit for him, for real. And, man, I'm glad he on our team. I think that sums it up. Like, the, the stuff he's doing is not normal. Uh, and we talked to him earlier in the week, and he was like, one of the most amazing things about Brian Brzee, he doesn't even know what he's doing yet. He's just in there causing havoc. Um, and, you know, we I think we've kind of said all along, he's going to be a bigger impact in the pass rush part of the game, a third downs um, early in his career. You know, the run, run defense is where I have more questions. But, you know, if that's where you need him, and he's he showed out in this game, no question. Was super excited to see, obviously, the spin. And as even uh, Roach was recounting stuff and talking about it, got a little bit of chill bumps because obviously you hear a player's praise is, uh, 
he's not going to be boosting this guy for no reason kind of thing. We've seen flashes, obviously, throughout camp to put it together in that game scenario. Great. And, man, even number 55 showing up in the preseason finale. The other rookie. Yeah, he was on he was on my list as an honorable mention. You know, one of the things I said going in was I, I don't need to see a huge game out of Isaiah Foscu, but I do need to see some positive moments. I do need to write down his name at least once, right? And, you know, he teamed up with Brian Brzee on two of those sacks. I think he actually got credit for one of them. He did. He got one sack. I think he got two half sacks, and that's how it ended up being one sack. But, yeah, no, he was there. He was in the backfield. He was causing pressure. There was one play where it was Brian Brzee, you know, kind of pressuring up the middle, and he was – driving his defender into the, you know, onto the kind of outside shoulder of Davis Mills. And he just, you know, caused enough traffic and pressure that Mills just overthrew his receiver. And like, you're not going to get much on that play. I don't even know if they'll technically give you a pressure, but like as a defensive lineman, that's a win for you is to make life more difficult on the quarterback. And we just hadn't seen him do it. And so Dennis Allen went out of his way. It was, he got a question about Brian Brzee and he made sure to throw in, I thought Isaiah had a really nice game today. He's taken a lot of steps forward. You know, even if you don't see it, he has improved from where he was at the start of camp, at the start of OTAs to now. Like, even if, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you don't always kind of appreciate the steps he's taken forward. They are there. And so, like, to me, it's like you're you're not going to see a ton of snaps for Isaiah Foskey in the regular defense when everybody is healthy. And it's just like he, he I feel like he needed some sort of a confidence building moment, especially after getting effectively called out by his coach against the Chargers and for a play that he felt like he, he Isaiah should have been able to make and he didn't on Easton Stick. I think he he did that today. He kind of walked it walked it forward uh in the way you needed him to. So he was he was my honorable mention. He wasn't my third up player, but he was definitely on the honorable mention list, along with Lucas Krull, who I thought had a nice game, but did leave some some opportunities on the table for the second week in a row. Well, they got pepper enough with tar- enough targets, right? Fifteen targets, right? Like <laughs> you look at it, you say seven catches, one hundred and six yards. That is a heck of a game. Yeah, but that's not even a fifty percent catch rate. He got right. 10, fifteen targets, and you know we're going to talk about Jay Kaner's performance in the three down segment. Um, you know, not all of those targets missed were on Lucas like I would say a majority of them weren't they were not good throws or uncatchable whatever one was left behind him two of them were interceptions uh but there was two plays that he that were just straight kind of you know one of them was he was diving and going out of bounds but he got both hands on the ball he seemed to like lose focus and, and it hit the ground and you know then there was another one where he went up high and it got kind of raked out just like it did against the Chargers and you know those are the type of plays it's like man you had a chance to have a huge game just like you did last week. You had 10 targets last week. You got four of them. Or no, you had you had eight targets last week. You got four of them. And two of them were were balls you should have caught. In this case, you had 15 targets. You caught seven of them. And two of them were balls you should have caught. So, I mean, leaving those types of plays on the table when you are a fringe guy trying to make a roster is not where you want to be. He still had a very good game. He still does stuff that I am very impressed with on a regular basis. But one of the reasons he's not one of my three up players is... You can't leave those opportunities on the table. Uh, definitely. And yeah, the the end of the game, I'm sure a lot of fans were doing the same thing as us going, for, throw it to someone else for crying Anybody out loud. Else. 
Anybody. No, not, it's not even about Lucas. It's about the fact that like everyone on the field, including no. the Texans, knew you were going to throw to Lucas Crawl. <laughs> I mean, I, it, uh, it was baffling to me. And I mean, we'll talk about Hayner. We don't have to get yeah, too yeah. into it now. But yeah, it was a rookie moment for him uh, in that it kind of locked in. But you'd like to see the connection. Like it's a good connection. You know, if if you can keep Lucas Crawl around and maybe Jake Hayner is your quarterback in a couple of years, uh, you know, that's not a bad thing to have a really good connection with a young guy. But um, getting into the last stock up player before we go uh, on to the, the negative Nancy portion of the program, Jordan Howden. You know, one of the things that gets underappreciated in these preseason games is you're making the roster on special teams. You know, like we can talk about Lucas Krull catching all those passes. Lucas Krull's not going to get chances to catch passes in the game. Even if you keep him on the roster, his biggest role is going to be on special teams. And so a lot of times these last few roster spots are going to be one on special teams. And if you were unsure about who was going to be that kind of depth safety, we saw JT Gray go out with an injury. You know, like I, I don't know. We don't know exactly what it is, but if he ends up having to miss time, you're going to have to have someone step up on special teams. And I saw Jordan Howden get downfield on back-to-back punts and make solo tackles with the defender, not able to get out of his, out of his, out of his cleats. And, you know, I think that's impressive. And it's something that, you know, as a rookie, how do you establish yourself on a roster? He's a, he's a, I think he's a fifth round pick, right? Like he's not a no brainer keep. Um, you, you'd like to keep your fifth round picks around, but they have to show something to, to be a part of this roster. They cut Jordan Jackson last year. Um, so it's not a guarantee that just because you're drafted and, you know, an AT Perry's kind of in that boat now. Um, I thought Jordan Howden showed well, and he's been a guy that's tackled well throughout preseason. He's built well for a rookie. You know, he's got an NFL-ready body. Uh, and so I think if there was any question about him in his role, I think he kind of cemented it right there. No, you mentioned that key, too, with being special teams, where obviously he's going to be leaned on most heavily right off the bat. Um, I guess some honorable mentions, dude, I'll mention real quick. I thought uh, Alante Taylor with those two bat pass breakups were pretty impressive. Definitely love seeing that from him. And then our boy Nico Lalos keeps showing out, uh, putting up those stats, which we do see. You know, you mentioned those numbers, those hidden numbers. You With Brazil, we don't see all the time the pressures or whatever causing havoc he's doing up front. Lalos, a dude that's definitely been showing up, getting sacks. I think he might lead the team in the preseason in that yeah, aspect. <laughs> <laughs> and then another one I uh, want to give a shout out, Nephi Sewell, uh, another dude that just seems to get the job done. I don't know about, you know, 53, but I definitely want to keep him around if possible. I think Nephi Sewell is on the 53. I think you he's your backup well linebacker. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't think Jalen Smith is your well linebacker. And that's why it becomes difficult to keep him around because I think you're also keeping DeMarco around. So, right. right. Like the, what you can say about DeMarco and Nephi is they will both contribute on special teams. Nephi Sewell had two individual tackles in this game on special teams. And so, yeah, so they're not, even if they don't get on the field, they, they have a role. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where you have to figure it out. But I agree with you. Um, I, I think Nephi played pretty well. So one thing we didn't talk about in the open that is worth mentioning in terms of, you know, who played, who didn't Paulson Adebo didn't play. And I think if you were looking for a definitive in terms of, okay, where is this CB2 competition standing? That's it. Yeah. You know, you, if you were still competing for that, you would have had Paulson out there because here's the thing. If Alante, like if you were to turn around and give the job to Alante, Paulson would be like, well, why didn't I play that? Like, why didn't I get a chance to compete for that job if you're not going to give it to me? 
So to me, that's a like whether they'll admit it or not, whether the coaching staff will say, okay, Paulson's our starter week one, and maybe they maybe you don't, maybe there's some subterfuge going on where you'd want to keep it under, you know, keep it close to the vest as long as possible. It's it's Paulson. And um I feel vindicated in that because when I said that in the pre like before the start of training camp, I got raked over the coals. Like I didn't know what I was talking about. Well, you, you know, the, the fans are quick to turn when they don't agree with you. That means you're an idiot and you know nothing what you're talking about because you're not saying what they feel. Right. And to be fair, I do get stuff wrong. But when I get, well, I, I feel like I had a pretty good read on that from the start. <laughs> and so, so I'm not, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to own that one. But all right. Is, is that anyone else you want to highlight before we move on to the, to the bad stuff? No, I'm sure everyone, if you want to just go to Twitter X, whatever you want to call it, that highlight to me was a big one for Alante Taylor being able to knock that pass from Nico Collins. Was it, I think I'm over on the sideline. I don't know. I believe that was the case, but it looked, it definitely, you know, you see the hand like forming the fist, able to punch it out beautifully done. Uh, uh, And that's a, uh, one of those things that gets you all excited, you know, obviously to to have something like that discount at one of those big chunk plays that could have been happening to you. Yeah. I mean, well, here's another thing. And, and this is not about the saints, but anyone who's listened to this podcast throughout the off season knows how I feel about tank Dell and that, that I, I retweeted it. Cause it was just like that. I watched it live and I didn't even see it as well as I, I would have, I wish I had because I was watching the coverage downfield and all of a sudden I look up and tank Dell is going the complete opposite direction and the cut he made on that kick return or that punt return, <laughs> and it's just like like Dak Wood was had him dead to rights, and he's just like gone. He just stops on a dime and goes the opposite direction, and uh, that's the kind of stuff I saw at the Senior Bowl. That was like, I want that guy. Give me that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's gonna be a good player. We're gonna be talking about Tank Dell for a while, but uh, anyway, we don't, I don't need to fangirl over Tank anymore. He's on. The, he's on the other team. Yeah, this isn't the Texans podcast for crying out loud. I need to go on a Texans podcast and and, and, brag and rave about, about him. Right, I knew all along. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> you, you, you thieves, uh, stealing your hometown player away from anybody else. Anyway, all right, let's wrap that segment up. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk three down, three down, three down, three down, three down. Okay, negative Nelly time. Yeah, this is inside black and gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. back on inside black and gold one more segment ahead of cut down day and that's why the three down segment you know it's it's tough to write and i you know and you can you can read it on wwl.com i don't like trashing players i really don't it's not something i enjoy doing the saints have a have an issue on their hands when it comes to the backup offensive line and i i mean i would not be surprised at all to see them be active on the waiver wire maybe even swing a trade if there's there's a cut coming in that they like a player and they want to and they want to jump the line because you know you get injuries at the offensive line every year and outside of Andres Pete who I don't think had a great day but at least you 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 have higher expectations for what he can do than some of the other guys man I don't if you if you end up having to start some of these guys I don't know uh, it's it's painful. Even a guy like Storm Norton, who has experience, and you brought in. I mean, he's getting eaten alive at right tackle. I I 
I, I mean, I, I don't want to single anyone out because I don't think anyone played well on the on the offensive line. But that's a group that you know, if I I do not have you know my stock on them was was already kind of uh, and, and just it was it was rough to watch. Totally agree there. Uh, not much more to say except the fact I'll pile on to that with the fact that I'm throwing in the decision not to play Penning in the stock down just for the sheer fact that I don't get it. You wanted these snaps to get him that experience, those reps going into the real deal, and the Houston Texans were playing starter. So what not? It just seemed like a great opportunity for him. I I understand the fear of injury, but you know we kind of mentioned this off camera going into the show. It's football. There's going to be contact, and you, you can't go out trying to avoid that. So your stock is down on penning, or your stock is down on the decision making? The decision making, yeah, not down on penning. Okay, that makes more sense. Can't blame uh, him. Yeah, because I was like, what did he do? What did Trevor do? <laughs> <laughs> like, that seems unfair. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. I, I mean, again, you know, we talked about this. I don't necessarily hate the idea of making sure he gets to the regular season healthy. Uh, but it's silly. It's kind of like it's it's a, a very superstitious way to go about that. It's like when a pitcher runs off the field and like won't step on the line, the, the like the foul line. It's like what would happen if you did, right? Like it's it's silly, but you st- still like in their mind it makes perfect sense, and that's all that matters. So you know, I, I I'd like to think that it's a vote of confidence for Trevor. Like you kind of look at it as if I'm Trevor Penning, and they say, yeah, we don't need to see anything more from you. Take a day off maybe that that in his head is is helpful um and he has a little more confidence because he feels like the coaches are on are, are behind him that's how that's my positive spin on it but i agree with you. yeah uh, but the, te- the texans don't have uh Kurt, carl granderson so you don't have to worry about it that's true carl has been eating his lunch a little bit um uh another guy who didn't play carl granderson right. um Oh, my honorable mention from this was is, is totally unfair, but I did want to talk about the kicker battle in this competition. So my honorable mention is Blake Groupie, which is completely unfair. Like I don't, my stock is not down on Blake Groupie, but he did miss a, miss an opportunity. And when you miss an opportunity, just like Lucas Crow last week, you're in there. But my next stock down player, I actually have two in this one, and it's what I call the disappearing defensive backs. Uh, which you know, Adrian Fry was already probably pretty low on my on my. Um, stable of defensive backs he might be at the bottom if i'm being honest but even by those standards he had a rough day he had a rough day he had that penalty one of the two penalties that was him in coverage and you know that fumble on the punt you know john trey was running up i think he was calling poison or whatever the 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 word is to 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 get out of the heckin way and uh adrian clearly didn't hear him (laughs) he continued to block his player which is like when he's calling for a fair catch just get out of the way I mean, like you, it doesn't matter if that guy's gonna gonna blow him up because if he does, that's a penalty. Good for you. You win that exchange. Just go away. And he didn't. And like they overturned it to you know, but it was Luckily, very right. And it's the type of play that's like your role is on special teams. For a guy like Adrian Fry to mess up on special teams is a far more significant thing than for him to get a penalty and coverage because if he's gonna make this team or get snaps on this team, that's where it's gonna be, and that's the type of thing that can lose your game. So that was that was rough. The other one for me is Smoke Monday, and it's he's he's a guy who I don't think had a bad game, but I needed to see something. I needed to see him make a play, show up somewhere. Uh, you know, he, he brands himself as a hitter. I have not seen any real hits. I have seen one really poorly executed tackle. But you know, he's a guy who I wanted to I wanted to like. I wanted to be finishing the preseason and saying Smoke 
has made himself very difficult to cut. And I just can't, I can't, there's nothing I can point to to say, yeah, this guy should be on the roster because of this other than he's got a fun name to say. So it's Adrian Fry and smoke Monday, both kind of, uh, they didn't get the job done. No, like you said, Fry was definitely a guy that was abused yesterday. Well, in the, yeah, in the preseason finale, and then you look at Smoke Monday. I f- I want to feel. I say I feel like when I see him out there, he's always trying to be that dude that makes the kill shot instead of just just make the play. Instead of he going for the big play, I, I, I appreciate obviously wanting to be a difference maker kind of thing, but you still got to be sure at the basics kind of thing. And I just, like I said, I feel like he's just going for the kill shot too much. Yeah. And I mean, I think he he's still effectively a rookie. Uh, I think that's something to sure. keep in mind is he didn't play last year. Like he's a second year player, but he spent all year on the injured list. I think that's kind of how you have to look at it is this is his rookie season and you know, you probably put him on the practice squad and maybe throughout the season, there's opportunities for him to get brought up and, and make, make play. I don't know. But uh, yeah, for now, I, I feel very comfortable with him on the cut line uh, in my projections. But yeah, young players, they're going to make mistakes. Uh, they, they learn from them. Uh, but my problem with Fry specifically is I've seen him make the same mistakes over and over again. Uh, and uh, yeah, he, he, he's a guy that's struggled. Yeah, totally. Like I agree with that because just you look at the pecking order of this deep secondary, which it is, and he wasn't one of those guys that you, we were raving about kind of thing. No, no. Um my last stock down player is, you know, we, we mentioned we're going to talk about him. And, and stock down is kind of unfair. Like my stock is not necessarily down on Jake Hayner. But if your stock was super high, which mine wasn't necessarily, I think I've been very, I've been very realistic about the expectations for Level. Jake Hayner. <laughs> you know, I think you, if you didn't think he was playing like a rookie, like if you thought that he was going to avoid a rookie-like performance mm. and make some rookie mistakes, well, you got that today. Uh, you know, you threw to Lucas Krell 15 times. And while there's a connection there and, you know, he did get open a good bit, the last like four or five were forced. Two of them were interceptions. The most egregious one was that first interception because it almost looked like, you know, we watched him lead a two-minute drive at the Superdome on Friday. And the last play kind of looked like that play where he just kind of logged it up into the back of the end zone. The difference is, this play happened on first and ten at the two minute warning at the at the Texans twenty four yard line. He threw up in a, he threw the ball in triple coverage. Uh, the the Texan safety I can't recall his name Arnold I believe. He just fielded it like a punt. I mean it was the easiest interception he ever he's ever had and he ever will have. Um, a few the, the next drive he had a chance to take another one and he dropped it. Uh, the same guy and then uh, you know Jake obviously got undercut by Cam Dantzler I believe to to end the game. And, you know, like everyone on the field knew what Jake Hayner was looking at on these plays. Uh, and that, that was frustrating. Um, he did have very shoddy protection. That's that's something that's worth noting. But, you know, you're not just going to say, well, the protection wasn't good. So we're not going to hold any of these decisions against him. Like you, you're still gauging the, the quality of the decisions and they weren't good. No. And like you said, the the roller coaster of the, the rookie ride. You just got to hope Hayner, you know, recognizes the issues, corrects it, moves on kind of thing. But I don't know. I was kind of joking watching the game with Bobby Bear that I think that Lucas Kroll might have been the only player he could see since he I don't know, maybe the guy he couldn't see over guys kind of thing. So it's like, oh, there's Kroll. I'll keep keep throwing it that way. <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah just he can really, see the top of his helmet. So he's going to throw it. To- 
Yeah, it was just really awkward towards the end there. And like uh, we talked about briefly, it's the fact that everybody, including the Texans, knew where he was going with the damn ball. And it worked a lot early on, but then it became very obvious. But yeah, you know, and and so one of the things I wrote about in my column is like, I don't, you know, rookie mistakes are are good because that's how you learn. You you make the mistakes and you learn from them. And you don't make them again, but you have to make them first. And one of the things that impressed me was in a lot of instances, you'll see a rookie struggle in a game and they're going to dodge the media. They're not going to talk to the media. He did not have to talk to the media after that game. He was not the starting quarterback and he is a rookie. He could have easily ducked out the back and avoided this. He did not. He, he After getting changed, his locker was already cleaned out. He came back into the locker room to talk to the media. And to me, that's like, you know, there's certain things that you look for in a starting quarterback. And one of them is accountability. And, you know, it, it's it's something you either have or you don't. It's a it's a mental thing where it's like, okay, I need to answer for this and I need to talk about it. And he did. And so uh, let's let's play that interview right here and we'll, we can listen to it really quick. Opportunity to get to go get reps and, and go learn and, and see different defenses and different speeds and different things up front. I think it's a really good opportunity opportunity for me to grow and, and make the mistakes that you know I need to make to learn. And obviously tonight didn't go our way and I made some decisions that I wish I had back, but that's part of this game. And I'm a rookie and I got to learn and I got to go with the ups and the downs and you know take what's there. But I'm glad that you know I had a really good group up in front that was fighting for me all night and the guys outside on, you know, AT to Lucas to John Trey, they all all did their part to try to help me tonight, and you know it just didn't go our way. What do you think about Lucas's game? Obviously, people got to see it a little bit tonight, seeing a little bit of an all-throw game. Yeah, no, I think Lucas does a really good job. Uh, he's been battling a little bit of uh, aches and pains here and there, and he always comes out and is giving me his best effort. And you know, I appreciate the work he's put in this camp and the work that we put in together this this off season. And the crazy part is, I've never been through you know round of cuts before, but. Some guys may may be here and some may not be here. So just got to grow with the guys that you're around and, and appreciate the relationships you build on the way and keep learning from it. What areas do you feel like you still need to grow in? You think about it. I've been in this offense for 20 practices, 25 practices. And, um, you know, I felt like I had a really productive camp. I felt like I did a lot of really good things. And obviously tonight with a little learning lesson to, to grow from and improve on. And, you know, I, I'm not going to let, you know, one bad game um, affect how I feel about being in the city and, and affect how my training camp's gone. I've done a really good job uh, protecting the football and, and putting guys in positions to make plays, and tonight just didn't work out for us. So go watch the tape, get better, and improve, and that's all you can do. How was that Gatorade? Uh, yeah, it got, got me a little bit. I got a couple couple uh, elbows now, so yeah. I thought I was going to get a flag, but I obviously didn't. So um, just trying to do my best, get the ball ball down the field, and try to get some points for our team. Very glad you were able to at least flash the wheels there. For a bit. Felt like I needed to unhitch the trailer a little bit. Um, you know, it, it caught me by surprise. The middle kind of voided and made a guy miss and um, ended up making a play, so it was good. Jake, I don't know if you've looked forward at all, but have you talked to anyone about just kind of like what role you might have in the season? Because I know when they have three quarterbacks sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm just going day by day. You know, I think I've shown them that I can be productive and, and do a lot of really good things, and I don't think they expect things that just happen overnight for a rookie. Um, I think you got to go in, you got to learn, you got to go, like I said, through the ups and the downs. And I think I've had a lot more good than I've had bad this camp. And you guys have seen it. You guys have been there every single practice. And um, I think there's a lot to learn from, a lot to grow from, but there's a good foundation where we're starting. So just keep getting better. It's tough to 
like, no, it's going to be a while before you get another chance after putting it together? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough. Um, you know, I'm a competitor, and every chance I get, I want to be on the field making plays. And, and the crazy thing in this league is you never know when your opportunity is going to come. And, you know, I'm going to prep like I'm the starter every single week and do everything I can to learn from guys like Jameis and Derek. And if there's at some point, any point during the season that I have an opportunity to go play and do something, I'm going to be ready. And I'm going to put the put the preparation in to, to give myself the best opportunity to go play well. So I saw you making some some weird looks there. Um, so he's referring to that long run he had where he ended up getting knocked into the Gatorade cooler, and he said he has a couple elbows, <laughs> which just has like a bump, like a like a big bump on on his arm where he hit the. So that's why he said he has a couple elbows, which is a weird. I've never heard anyone say that before. Another question I had there when he talked about, I thought I was going to get a flag. Was he talking about the fact that the defender was going to get a flag on him for like a yeah for like a late hit? Like pushing him out of bounds. Okay. Yeah, because that one, it was close. He was still in bounds when he got pushed. But whenever, I mean, he just based on how far he flew out of bounds, you could probably, he was going out and he got pushed. It's on the fringe. Sometimes you get that call. Sometimes you won't. Rookie quarterbacks usually don't. If it was Pat Mahomes, you're getting that call, right? So that's that's (laughs) kind of where you look at it. But it was a nice run. He, uh, I think they flashed up the speed on the Superdome, uh, like the, the the Jumbotron or whatever you want to call it, and it was like 18.6 miles per hour. It's pretty quick for a quarterback. And I think if you want to take positives away from that, which there were positives, he, he didn't play completely poorly. You know, he dealt with, you know, a shoddy offensive line. I think he extended some plays. I think when you see him get outside the pocket and kind of use his legs, that's where you can really see the flashes of like, oh, yeah, this guy's a, this guy could be an NFL quarterback. Just the way he moves and the way he keeps his eyes downfield. He never seems panicked. He never seems rushed. And I think he just kind of got too locked in on one guy in this game. And, you know, it, I don't know. That, that's kind of a strange thing. It's But I think that is kind of a rookie you get a comfort zone and you stay try to stay within it, and that's what he did. But I think his approach is really, really good. And you know, I, 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 I'm not like I have him in the stock down portion. Again, it's not because I'm out on Jay Kaner. It's because you know, if if your idea was that he was going to be perfect and he was a guy who right away you're like, oh, NFL starter right now, let's do it. No, I mean he's got he's got a lot to learn and he's got time to learn it. I think that's kind of what you saw today. I also had one person on Twitter be like, well, he's starting behind eight string offensive linemen. No, he's been playing behind the same offensive line all three weeks. This is not a situation where suddenly he's playing behind guys they found on the streets. The same guys. Uh, the, the one other comment uh, that stood out to me is when he was talking about uh, Lucas Kroll, it seemed at least I, I got a vibe off of that. They kind of, developed a, a relationship a tight relationship already and maybe i'm just thinking out you know too much that hey he was trying to feed him a bit to help him kind of make the roster i don't know but it definitely seemed like he had this relationship he had built up with crawl and maybe hey i'm gonna keep tossing him the ball to try and get him some help i i, I mean i think he was just open a lot and he <laughs> threw to him and then and then it kind of just became like that's who he's looking to yeah I, I don't think that it was like a ploy to try to get him on the roster but <laughs> i do think that you do kind of when you're throwing to guys a lot like he's working with a third teamers so so was lucas crawl and that's who he gets a lot of opportunities to throw to so he feels comfortable throwing to him you know lucas is a guy who's been hurt uh he had a tailbone injury he missed some time and uh, so it's good to see him out there and getting getting those reps. But I mean, he threw to him a lot against the Chargers too. It's nothing new. Um, like he had, he led the lead, he led the team in targets last week. So it's just his guy he likes to throw to. With Kroll, it's going to be interesting. I think everyone kind of has that belief that if he does get 
you know, let go that the Pittsburgh Steelers, because of that connection with their quarterback, obviously could come a call in because they played a pit. Bobby keeps saying that. Right. Exactly. Um, I get the idea. Like I get yeah. where he's coming from, but they, like he's been on the practice squad. They could sign him if they wanted. Like there's nothing that prevented them from doing that this off season. If they yeah. wanted to get him, like why now would they suddenly be like, Oh, we got to get Lucas Kroll. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think that's why you bring in a guy because uh, they played together in college, but you never know. I think I think a hundred yard receiving performance is going to catch some eyes. Regardless. So a few people's attention, right? Yeah, I mean, like that's just something that you know, if you were unaware of Lucas Krull, and they're they're the only game on TV. This was national TV. <laughs> you know, a lot of people watch this game, and so if if there was teams out there that are you know in need of a young dynamic tight end, they're like, oh, okay, who's this guy? And so that for that reason alone, I could see him getting claimed. I don't think it's going to be because the Steelers want to want to give, you know, re- rebuild that Pittsburgh connection. But hey, who knows? Either way, uh, Jake Hayner threw two interceptions. He had some nice moments, but you know there was mistakes in this game. There's no question about it, and you're going to learn from it. They, they, the question becomes: When's the next time you see him in a game? And uh, Talk to you this time I, next year. <laughs> I would bet it's next preseason. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. But that's it for me. Was there anyone else you wanted to mention before we get out of here? Uh, no, that was definitely a pretty good summation of the downs, uh, the stock downs. Uh, just really excited now. We get a, a weekend off and kind of yeah. re- recoup and get reload, get ready for the real deal and back in the Superdome for week one. Hallelujah. Yeah, I mean, we we get we get a week off, kind of, uh, but yeah, cuts are on Tuesday. So, by you know, if you're listening to this Tuesday evening, then they may have already happened. So, it's part of the reason I didn't want to come on here and do a bunch of oh, this guy gets cut, this guy gets cut, because you know, I'd like to think there's more time to listen to this uh, based on what we talked about. But yeah, it's it's going to be something, and uh, we'll we'll probably next podcast be able to go over the 53 man roster. So <laughs> that's, that's something you should uh, expect uh, later in the week. One shout out, I guess, honorable mention stock down saints running game still hasn't really been impressive all around. I'm not going to pinpoint one person other than Jay Kaner and maybe Alvin Kamara uh, in game one. I don't think anybody's really been able to put up decent numbers. See, I, I lump that in with the offensive line. I think absolutely right. I'm, I'm not holding the run game against Ellis Merriweather and, and Kendra Miller, Adam Prentice actually had a couple nice runs and he got hurt. True. I, so yeah, I mean like your offensive line is, is a big part of your running game being successful. And I think that's part of the reason you see teams hesitant to pay running backs, because if you can't, if you pay your running back, but you can't afford to pay, you know, uh, uh, a, a top end guard, well, how good can your running game be if you're not blocking for them? You know, and like that's I think that's where the value equation gets gets tough. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I've, I've liked what I've seen out of Kendra. I think the 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 pass protection from the running backs has been solid. But yeah, I mean, just the run game in general in terms of the production has definitely not been not been what you wanted to see. It's like two point six, two point seven a carry not just running backs kind of looking at the preseason. And like you said, I do obviously lump that in hugely with the offensive line. Yeah. Like Jake Hayner is, is going to raise that average significantly on his one run for like 35 yards. Uh, yeah. But that's, yeah, that's obviously not the same question, but they'll take it. <laughs> 
Hey, they all count, right? The, the yes, rushing yards, all, all the yards count the same. But all right, let's wrap up this episode of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow him at Steve Geller WWL. This is Inside Black and Gold. Again, we just went over the three up, three down. We're going to be coming back later in the week with a breakdown of who made the 53-man roster and what are our expectations for that. So check that out later in the week. Oh, find the latest content over at WWL.com and always listen to WWL Saints Radio at AM 870 FM 105.3 and on the Odyssey app where you can find this podcast and, and all those other podcasts. Check out that app. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Who dat? Ghost Saints. Pet a cat. We've made it to the real deal. Hallelujah. Peace, y'all.